Welcome to the Black Wolf 1230s podcast. I am Black Wolf 1230, and this is the home, den, and sanctuary for wolf sheeps, gay straights, angels, demons, giants, midgets, rights, wrongs, up, down, true, false, right, or wrong, left, right. We don't judge here. So, in doing so, we go by uh, the focus on three parameters. The three parameters are called relationship, evolution, and music. Also, we cross-tie these parameters, uh, acronyms. ARA is for, oh my gosh, I got a blank. I was going to blank. But see, this is uncut. So, I got a lot on my mind. Um, so, the R is for uh, rapid. The E is for I, and the M is for move, movement. So therefore, we got REMs, REMs, uh, relationship, evolution, and music is the basics and the foundation of this, but this podcast. Rapid eye movement is a clinical or medical observation that's done for patients who's dealing with PTSD. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder that is the reoccurring of traumatic events that one has gone through. It can appear in their everyday life, their daydreams, their, their nightmares, and even just in the cognition of their everyday life, just even a color can bring out the PTSD of the, of the victim not wanting to be um, a victim. So, uh, previously we were focusing on the fact is my uncle. My uncle was basically one of the first black Travis monks from East Baltimore, the hood, yo. Um, and he was also my mentor. Uh, his name is uh, Father Casito Earl Thompson. I'll call him Uncle Earl. <laughs> That's what it's going to be to the day I die, Uncle Earl. Um, Uncle Earl has taught me a lot about the book. Uncle Earl has taught me a lot about God. And Uncle Earl has taught me a lot about life. So, it's coffee time. And let's get into the interview. He's a very, very interesting man. And I want y'all to pay attention, especially to the fact is we're not a family that bowed down to anybody. Hey, um, describe your experience of working among the people abroad. First thing that has to be said is that uh, black folks in Africa and in the Caribbean are not African American. We have a, a unique experience that is ours that has not been experienced by Africans and uh, West Indians. I grew up 
in the 50s, where things began to change here in the, in the U.S. as far as race relationships go. And that was really before the height of the civil rights movement. But we could see that things were percolating. And I've been defined by that. And I make no bones about it. Mine has always been a rebellious spirit that would um, bow before no one. <laughs> bow before no one. No surrender, no retreat. That's an Alpha Thompson thing. And this man, Uncle Father Casito Earl Thompson, is a Trappist monk who's as close to God than any human can get besides the Pope. No surrender, no retreat. Pops, my daddy, was United States Marine Corps weapon specialist. No surrender, no retreat. Their father was a merchant seaman. Well, do your research on they were the original Navy. So, um, as we get back, um, I'm going to need you to pick up to where you were talking about. <laughs> the fact is, is that <laughs> you, you ain't bowing down to nothing. You heard, um, um, there's some thug stuff. G, 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 unit, as in G-O-D. Hit it, um. To the civil rights movement. But we could see that things were percolating. And I've been defined by that. And I make no bones about it. Mine has always been a rebellious spirit that would um, bow before no one. When I went to, when I had the opportunity to return to the West Indies and to go to Africa for the first time, I didn't see that same kind of rebellious spirit. It might have been there, but all I can say is that I didn't see it, or at least I didn't see it in the same way that I saw it in myself. And I had to be careful not to um, say that Africans were too complacent or that the West Indians were too complacent. But on the other hand, what I did experience is an acceptance of, um, of blackness by Africans and by West Indians that I didn't find in the US on the part of African Americans. And I suppose that was because The African-Americans had been exposed to and perhaps uh, intermingled with the white experience to the extent that they were different and had to be different from what you would expect to find in the West Indies and in, in Africa. 
when I went to Africa, um, Africans had an image of African Americans that was somewhat global image of the American. And the black American fitted into this global image. And this global image was a white American. So okay, so check this out. So basically what uncle is saying is right. And we still get judged by it because we are American. Uh, we smell like Americans. We think like Americans. We're now accepted by certain cultures because we're sold out. Um, one good example is uh, this movie called Sugar Hill. And Sugar Hill, how uh, Wesley Snipe and a guy named, I think his last name was Wright. By the way, I used to, I used to date his niece up there in Kansas, the Wright. The one that talked this way, you know, Romella. Was Romello, you know, Romello's uh, uh, brother, you know, is saying we got to get it. The one that gave Pops the drugs to kill him, right? Uh, his niece. She was a cute little thing. She was about six feet, built like Tyra Banks, six feet. Anyway, um, matter of fact, our first date was at uh, the first Pizza Hut in Manhattan, Kansas. First piece of hut. It was the first piece of hut ever built. But anyway, that, that 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 that's what Uncle was saying. So not only was he uh going through his pilgrimage and his uh his walk with God of obedience, he was also fighting political uh stereotypes. But he bowed down to no one. Coffee time. So these last few uh, minutes, I want y'all to really pay attention on how, I guess, not only, because you guys know about me and my life, but I took it a, I took it a step above a generation uh, uh, before me to let you, uh, it kind of helps a person to see why I act the way I do, why I see things the way I see them. And why things need to change. Because everything that I was doing in my life outside, I was raised better than that. Was not me. And it was, the fact is, I lost my daddy. I lost my father, my king, my alpha. Pay attention to what happens. When we lose our alphas in our family,
didn't matter how black you were as an African, an African American. In many instances, you were considered white because, to their mind, you brought with them values that were the values of the white man. I've had occasion to share with people my experience of going, of, of being in Africa for the first time. And uh, as I was in the village there, the kids told me that they had received a white man into the village. Uh, I didn't notice that a white man had come, so I wanted to know who he was, a white man from America. So I said, well, who is he? I'd like to meet him. They said, but Father, you are the white man. Which was very surprising to me because the American was the man who came with certain values and as I indicated it didn't matter how black you were but if you came as an American black man you shared these white values in the mind of the African So, um, was Papa and Granny supportive? It was a mixed reaction. On the part of my mother, she was quite happy, but it was not quite so with my father. And he wanted me to uh, be the first one to go to college and uh, do the things that he wasn't able to do. Get a career, have a family. And I remember that I told him that I was going to go into the monastery. And he, he couldn't believe it. He said, first of all, well, he's Catholic, but he said, you're going into the white man's religion and you're going to spend your whole life in the white man's religion. For him, that meant away from blacks, really. So, um, how did Grandpa Harvey feel about you deciding to become a monk, though? My father was not happy with that decision. And he was not happy with it because he wanted me to be something else. He could not understand how I would choose to spend the rest of my life in the white man's church. He used the phrase that, um, that always stayed with me. He said, you realize that there is no future in the white man's church for the black man. And I suppose he had a right to say this because as he looked around the, uh, the Catholic Church at that time, he didn't see men of color that seemed to have a future in the church. And he was wondering how I would uh, become a part of this. But since I was of age, uh, he said, there's something I can do to stop you. <laughs> if this is what you want to do. So he, I can remember he drove me to the monastery from Baltimore, which was quite a long drive. He never got out of the car. 
And on subsequent visits with the family, he would drive them here and would never come in to see me. And as I went out to see him, to greet him in the car, he would drive away. But you have to understand that he was hurting. And the hurt lasted for many years, uh, for almost 13 years. And then just the night or two before I was ordained a priest, I called him to let him know about the arrangements. And I had not spoken to him in 13 years. And I was, he was surprised that I was on the phone and I was surprised that he was at the other end. And I said, Daddy, this is, uh, this is your boy. <laughs> so it was his, his title for me. I said, this is your boy. He said, hi. And we talked. And I gave him the arrangements for the ordination and where they would stay. Or where my mother would stay because he was not planning to come to the ordination. He says, by the way, you know, I'm coming to that thing of yours at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I was like, that's great. That's great. I said, we can make some adjustments in where mommy's going to stay. I said, that's not a problem. And um, we hung up the phone. And then um, later that night, I received a phone call from my mother. And she says, um, I understood that you talked with Daddy today. I said, yes. She says, Daddy's gone. I said, Daddy's gone. I said, but we talked for a good hour or so. He didn't tell me that he was going anywhere, that he was coming to the ordination. And my mother simply repeated, Daddy's gone. And I didn't quite understand. I said, but Mommy, where is he gone? Where has he gone to? He said, your father died tonight. I said, he died? I said, but I just talked with him. He said, you were the last one he spoke with. He said, when we came into the room, he still had the phone in his hands. And of course, this was just days before the ordination. But God was good. He brought us back together. And then he decided to bring him home. That was powerful. You know? And I remember the day of the ordination when I was prostrated before Cardinal Cook. I could feel his presence. And I could hear him say to me, you done all right, boy. You done all right. You know, uh, That was my first time hearing it. 
I didn't know Pop Pop died on the phone. While talking to Unc. Pop Pop made amends. The surprising ideum of this situation is, is that that's exactly how my dad died. From our last, last conversation. And what I mean is, is that because the pride is so strong amongst the Thompson men, um, they would just rather bow out in peace. You know, um, like I almost said, he, he, he talked to grandpappy for like 13 years. Okay? I ain't talked to my father. Uh, let's see, six. Let's see, seven. I hadn't, I hadn't talked to my dad in three months, 90 days. That was rare because I always talked to my father, excuse me, every day. I wasn't going to call him and he wasn't going to call me. Coffee time. Let me tell you what happened. And um, then we're going to get about here. And you guys are going to enjoy your weekend because it's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to hear Unk Unk. May he rest in peace. Um, his interview. A great fire has been lit up on me. Coffee time, y'all. I am Samael Wolf and I have to share a bit of information. The information will pose useful as you journey upon your earthly life. Know there is a shift occurring in the universe. Those who were once weak will gain strength and those who have lost help will be given a new foundation to build hope upon. An alliance is occurring between the entities of darkness and light. The life you currently are a part of will he evolutionize. The tears you have shed will be used to wash and cleanse you of all shame. There have been agents commissioned to assist you in your progressive endeavors. Keep looking to the light. See, the last time I spoke to my dad, right, it went down a little different, though, you know. Uh, we was on the phone, and he was asking me for certain information because he was putting my name on some equity and some estate business, and I'm not bragging or anything like that. Um, um, he was uh, fortifying my inheritance. And which my mother and my, and my sister and uh, the rest of the family stole. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, when I talked to him, I didn't fuss with him because I, I was upset with my dad. But last time I saw my dad, my dad, <laughs> it was in July of two. 2002. Last time my dad had a nickel plated German Ruger in his hand. 
and was going to about to blow me away. <laughs> Instead, I crossed the street <laughs> and took refuge behind a van. And I hadn't seen him since. It's the last time I saw Dad. Um, and the last time I heard from him is when he called me. Also, he was setting up insurance policies, which the family robbed as well. So they think they did. You know. So, y'all enjoy your weekend. Because the unk just spread so much love, man. And remember, this, this, is my, uh, this is my uncle. This is my uncle. He, 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 he the uncle would go to my father and say, hey, you don't want Keefe, I'm going to take him. Pops would say something to me, and I'd go, hey, you can have him. <laughs> I was like, for real? <laughs> and then so I'd be waiting outside, right, on the steps, because usually we would meet up at my, at their, uh, we, we would meet up at their uh, older sister house. That's when when when. when when, 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 when Father Casito would come into town, you know, so meet up. So he's like, why don't you come into town? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back with Uncle Earl. <laughs> that didn't happen. So know that love is everywhere. Love is the greatest power and love is the greatest weapon. And me loving you allows me to love myself just a little bit better. Stay blessed up. Well, all passengers of flight 1230, buckle their seatbelts and prepare for lunch. Enjoy the next musical composition comprised by Sammy Owl, Wolf 1230. <laughs>